We're talking about the importance of your words. You know, in our circles, we call this our confession. And so the reason why I entitled this series, The Importance of Our Words, is sometimes people, they don't understand, what do you mean confession, right? We live in a city where half of all churchgoers are Catholic. So when you say, I'm going to teach on confession tonight, they would be like, what? So, I mean, how do you do that? Because all, all I do is walk into a booth and I confess my sins to a priest. That's confession. Nope, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, and if you'll notice, we've laid a foundation on this thing. When I say confession, it's the Greek word homo logeo. It literally means to say the same thing. In other words, and if you'll notice over these past weeks, we've been laying a foundation. What is God's word? You know, we we said it's spirit, it's life. God says, I'm going to deal with you based on what you say and what I say. You know, there's all these things about how when he speaks, he framed the universe with his words. Everything that was made that we can see was made by his words, which we can't see. So where we're going with this, and you could already tell, is now the importance of our words. In other words, we must say what he says. So sometimes if you say confession, there's a large segment of of Christians that instantly go, oh yeah, I'm out. It's one of those name it, claim it things, right? Blab it, grab it, confess it, possess it. You know, they're one of those Haganites, Copelandites. No, 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 no. This is from the word of God. Right? Kenneth Hagin would sit there and go, yeah, no, 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 no. This didn't come from me. It was not my idea. Kenneth Copeland would say, no, this was not my idea. This is what God says. So here's the thing. The importance of you speaking out of your mouth what God says, not what you feel, not what you see, right? Not what the circumstances dictate, not what's politically correct. No, no, we speak not just to communicate, right? We speak to put spiritual law in motion in our lives and in the lives of those we're to minister to. So let's go, this is week four, we're going to get a little bit further into this. Let's go over to Mark chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 22. Mark chapter 11, in verse 22, now you know this story, this is the story about the, where Jesus cursed the fig tree, right? He's, he's coming from Bethany, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he sees a fig tree, it has leaves on it, So he knows growing up in that region, the way those fig trees are over there is they form a fig and then the leaf grows over it. So if you see a fig with with leaves, then, then there should be figs there. So he walks up to the tree to have breakfast. He's gonna have figs for breakfast and there's no figs. So Jesus did what you see him always do. He never allowed lack in his life. Ever. And also, if there was ever a circumstance that was contrary to, to the word of God, he always answered that 
instantly according to the word of God, always. So what happened that day is he walks up to the fig tree and, and the fig tree, in effect, when there were no figs there, said to him, you're not eating figs today. Well, we know the fig tree had to speak to him. Was it audible? Well, of course not. Right? If you go out tonight after the service, which won't happen here, but let's say you went out and you started your car and you turned that key and nothing happened. You wouldn't hear an audible voice, but you would hear. Your car would say to you, you're not driving this home tonight. Right? So that tree, in effect, said to Jesus, no figs for you. So Jesus answered it. Why, why did he say, no man eat of you today or forever? Why did he say that? Well, we know Jesus said at other points in time, I only say what I hear my father say. Now think about that statement. When Jesus was on the earth, he only said, only said what he heard his father say. What he heard his father say. He only did what he saw his father do. Now as we live in 2021, we are only to say what Jesus said. And we are only to do what we see him leading us to do. Well, how do we see that? His word is a lamp to our feet and it's a light to our path. So let's look at this. He curses this fig tree. Jesus, so then he curses the tree. They go into Jerusalem that day. Then they come back at the end of the day. They walk right by the tree. Obviously, nothing changed with the tree. Now we know this, all his disciples had to be looking at that tree. And I wonder when they walked by there, you're probably thinking, wow, nothing happened. But they didn't say anything to him, right? They go back to Bethany, spend the night. They come back and they're walking by the tree again. And all of a sudden, it looks like this tree looks like it was dried up from the root. I mean, if you cut the tree down, it wouldn't have looked like that. Have you ever cut a branch off a tree? That thing doesn't dry up for a long, long time, right? But this one, something happened to it, and it, sp it spoke, and Peter's like, wow, master, the tree that you cursed is withered away. And so when he said that to Jesus, notice Jesus He's always, he's always spot on. He doesn't answer Peter. He knows all of them are questioning what happened. How does he know that? Well, the Holy Spirit would have prompted him that way. And look at what it says in Jesus, verse 22, answering them, or answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Now you could translate this in the Greek language, have faith in God. That's very accurate. You could also very accurately translate this, have the faith that God has. Now that's pretty huge. What do you mean have the faith that God has? Right? Or you could translate it very accurately, have the God kind of faith. Right? And then now in verse 23, 
he says this, for verily, which means most assuredly, I say unto you. Now, most assuredly, Jesus is like, I'm saying unto you, whosoever. Wow, the faith of God is for whosoever. That's amazing. Whosoever what? Well, we know from other scriptures, whosoever has ears to hear. Right? Because faith only comes by what? Hearing God's word. Whosoever will say to this mountain, notice this, will say. So he's talking about how to have the faith of God. This is the most concise teaching on the operation of the faith of God. And this is for whosoever, but notice the first thing it says. Whosoever shall say. Jesus, look at this. The trees, it's dried up from the root. Jesus responds, have the faith of God. Now, guys, I'm going to explain this to you. First of all, whoever's going to say. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he what? Saith, or what he says, I don't doubt in my heart, but I believe that what I say will come to pass. I will have whatsoever I say, or he shall have whatsoever he saith. Wow, in this one verse on the teaching on faith, it says, Three times as much about saying as it does about believing. But now, in the short period of time that I've been in the ministry, I could tell you this. There's a lot of people that believe that God is a healer. But there's a lot of people that are not ever experiencing healing physically in their body where now they experience it they walk in the healing power of God and but why is that I think we're really lacking the saying part this is why we're teaching on the importance of our words the Bible says things like this don't let the word of God depart from your eyes The Bible says, God told Joshua before going into the promised land, he said, listen, Josh, don't let my word depart out of your mouth. Now, that's a pretty big statement. That means, Josh, you should always be talking about my word. There's a lot of Christians in our circles that literally know that they know that they know that God has, Jesus himself bore their sickness and carried their pain, but they're not walking in it, but they're also not saying that. And all of a sudden, man, in the quietness, they're talking to themselves about, gosh, why hasn't this happened yet? And, and, what, and then the minute they get a bad diagnosis from a doctor, it tilts them out. And for some people, if they get alone long enough and away from others who can encourage them and undergird their faith, they could start to go, well, you know, this must not be true. Maybe God does heal sometimes and not others. And they start believing a lie that's not the word of God. So this is a big thing. There is a connection. There is a complete connection 
between what you say out of your mouth and what you have in your life. Remember, week one of this, you will have what you say, right? This was one of the scriptures we talked about. This is the New Testament end of it. God says in Numbers, he said, as you speak in my ears, so will I allow in your life. You and I are never going to rise above our confession. Right? If you, what, what is the, it, it, the, the uh, in, in, what is it, positive thinking circles, what's that statement? If you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're right. Well, let's, let's, why is that true? Because what comes out of your mouth is a result of what you think. So let's put that under the context of the word. It's because what you say out of your mouth is what you're going to have. So if you say you can, which the Bible says, God said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's an enablement that enables you to be able to do all things through Christ. So you can't run around saying, I can't. Otherwise, you're speaking contrary to his word. And whether you say you can or can't, you're right. Because why? Because you will have what you say. Right? God deals with us, we saw in his word, on the basis of his word and our word, which is our confession. That's why we must say, not what we can do, we must say what he has done. And if we say what he has done, if we say what he has said, then we will have what we say. Right? When, if the Lord leads us to get into this, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, and it's a two-edged sword. You've heard me mention this before. Why is it two-edged? Well, one edge is the what God says. He says, by my stripes you're healed. But that word is not going to do you any good unless you use the other edge of that sword. And, and here's the problem. You can't use one edge of a sword without another. Right? You need both. So God, need, God has spoken. So the question is, what are you saying? What are you saying in the middle of something when you're, you're looking at something and you're just like, man, I just, I can't do this. I'm sure Pastor Edwin, some of your students in AP chemistry or AP physics, that first test, you're probably sitting up there looking at their eyes like, are you kidding me, right? Have you ever been in a situation where you're tested? I'm not just talking about school. I'm talking about a test. Something happens in your life and it looks very contrary to what's going, what, what the word of God says. And you're going, man, this is just not going to work out. The thoughts are hitting you. It's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. Why? Because those thoughts are trying to get you to say, man, this is not going to work out. Because you're the deciding factor, not those principalities and powers that are against you. They're already defeated. Right? You and I must get to a place that when we speak, we expect it to come to pass. But see, this is the problem. And this is why, you know, by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned because we say crazy things. Man, my back is killing me. 
My feet are, you don't want your feet or your back to kill you, right? I am so stupid. Do you really, if you really believe what God's word says, do you really want to say that? No. We, see, we have to, we have, there's a way that we could add weight and value, but we have to sift our words through the word of God. We must revalue our words. We must add weight to our words. How do we do that? The word of God is the only thing that will sift, revalue, and add weight to your words. That's why, that's why we have to have the word of God first place. You do not have the time to not start your day in the word. You do not have the time to not take some time in the middle of the day speaking the word of God, spending time with him. Because if you don't, you're going to lose your focus and say all kinds of crazy stuff, right? You don't have time to go to bed before spending time with him. The, the stakes are too high. What are the stakes? It's life and death. Satan can't take you out unless you let him. But so many times, I'm telling you, the situations and the circumstances of our life, we just get distracted, right? As I'm even saying that, I'm going, you know, we need to go through the parable of the sower again. We can't do that enough because it's the word. The word of God is what produces in our life, not us. So we've got to work on the soil of our heart. That's why I guard my heart. I make sure that soil is moist by always hearing the word of God. I'm watering that word that I already know. Because I can't get anything by mental assenting to it. Do you know how many, how many people are mentally assenting? Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, so I'm saved. No, 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 no. Faith without corresponding action is dead. I wonder how many people think that they've accepted Christ but they really didn't. They just prayed a prayer because they don't want to go to hell, but there's no change in their life. There might be remorse, but there's no repentance. There's no changing of their mind, their will, and their actions. How many of us? I mean, we know all about that, don't we? Have you ever believed God for something? you got three scriptures, you just know, and then you're believing God, and then, man, six months later, you haven't got it, you kind of forgot about it, you kind of blocked it out, and you never laid hold of it. And your mouth is talking against it all the time. We've done, no, 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 we've got to put action to our faith. Now, am I saying, do we work for our salvation? No, you can't. It's a gift. But, we, but works show that we're saved. We work out what God's working in. Works are not the root of our salvation. They are the fruit of our salvation. Right? I spend time, I have so many people in my life that don't know the Lord. There's some that think they do, but they don't. And man, you got to be so, just look down on the inside of you and wait for that moment when you could talk to them about this. Because, you know, if their conscience wakes up, they're like, oh my gosh. I remember we had one guy in our church 
He'd been going to church his whole life, and he was, he was probably in his 60s at the time, and he had never accepted Christ. And he realized one night, we were, I think we were teaching on the book of Revelation, and he realized, man, I've never really given my heart to Christ. Came up after the service and, and received Christ. Right? So, so this is a huge thing. The word of God gives value to our words. We measure our words with God's word. His word is the final authority. Are my words, can they be measured and come up okay if I measure them with the love of God? If I measure them with the faith of God? See, how do I measure? Am I speaking, are the words that I'm speaking building people up? Or are they tearing them down? Am I speaking words that are, that are putting spiritual law in motion or stopping spiritual law? Right? And, and, and here's the thing. I hope you see as I'm talking about this that, oh my gosh, I can't do this on my own. Oh man, you're 99% there right now. Yes, we can't do this on our own. Right? We have to completely rely on him. But guys, we're living in an environment right now where Christians are running around and they feel like they could say anything and it's producing death in their life. It's affecting their witness. It's affecting their careers. It's affecting their marriages. It's affecting their any, any potential ministry. But oh, if we'll get this right, it'll help us. So we sift our speech through God's word. But we got to go a little deeper than that. We sift our speech through God's word that has been revealed to us by the spirit of God. See, none of us say any of this, or we don't see any of this unless he reveals it. So you sift what you're saying through revelation knowledge that you've gotten from his word. And revelation knowledge only comes in relationship. It only comes when he's first. You've seen me do this how many times? If the word of God is here, first priority in your life, and your circumstances are here, your circumstances will never move you, ever. But if it ever switches, and all of a sudden your outward life is here, and the word takes this place, now the word won't move you anymore. Your circumstances will move you. And we don't want that, do we? We just don't want that. Putting God's word in your heart is what causes you to be able to revalue your words. As you put God's word, this is why he said, meditate in my word day and night. Why? Because as you meditate in his word, it revalues your words. It sifts your words. And all of a sudden you'll start talking and all of a sudden you'll start catching yourself. You'll say something and go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. No, 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 Lord. I curse that word. I don't believe that. Yeah. Right? And, 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 don't, and you got to realize God is not a taskmaster. He works with us. He's merciful. Right? Some of us that are having trouble in our life 
Oh, if we could hear a recording of what we're actually saying. Not when we're here, because right now, wouldn't it be easy to speak faith? But it's when you're pressed, you'll find out, you'll find out what's in your heart or what's not in your heart. If you're pressed in your life and the word is in abundance in your spirit, it will come out of your mouth. If you're pressed in life and the word is not in abundance in your heart, you will speak out of your unrenewed mind. That's all we do. So that's why I'm saying the key is we walk in revelation knowledge of his word and we sift our speech through that. In other words, we have to walk in intimate fellowship with him. Aren't you glad he's not the confession police? In the Old Testament, David said, put a watch over my lips. Do you know God won't put a watch over your lips? You're a New Testament believer. You've got the very Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You don't need a watch over your lips. You put his word first and walk with him in intimate fellowship. And if you ever say anything stupid, you'll know it. And it's not like, oh, shoot, God's mad at me. No, you never even think that because he never gets mad. You just stop and go, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I am healed. Nope, nope, nope. I have the victory in this. Right? Have you, ever, have you ever just been having a bad day? I learned this a long time ago. When I'm having a bad day, this is what I do. And, and Jeanette is so sweet. She just knows. Sometimes I just got to go in my office and I shut my door. Right? I just shut my door. And I'll sit in my chair. And I'll just start confessing the word over my life. You know? And, 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 and literally in seconds... I'm like, oh yeah, this is all good. Because I'm no longer moved by the outward feelings and emotions and what I'm seeing. I'm moved by the Mount Everest of his presence and his word that's in my heart. And all this junk that's maybe not renewed in my mind yet, it flutters away in comparison to the Mount Everest of his word that's in my heart. And what's happening is the word comes out of my spirit and it goes in and it pulls junk out. It, it basically, it's taking those thoughts captive. It instantly can happen. You can do that driving down the street. I mean, I've ministered to people who have had panic attacks. And you know, you could stop a panic attack that fast if you can get the person just speaking the word of God. If you could get somebody who's completely in fear to say out of their mouth, I don't have a spirit of fear. I have a spirit that is of power and love and soundness of mind. And all of a sudden, they're in control again. I've never had a panic attack. I've had fear. One time I, I almost died in the ocean when I was on vacation one time because I was stupid. And I remember it was like a coat, or not a coat, like a big quilt just covered me. And I mean, my, I, my, I, the ocean will kill you quick. And there were massive waves in Southern California, big riptides, and I was in my 50s. Yeah, it wasn't very many years ago. And... Uh, and I knew I was instantly in trouble. 
And man, it just fell over me like I saw in a moment of time. You know, no pastor at Faith Family Church, no husband, no dad, all this stuff. And I'm so glad I had the Mount Everest. Because in the water, I just said, I don't have a spirit of fear. I am not dying today in the ocean. Right? And I just started thanking God. Father, I thank you that I will not die but live. And I could feel it. It was like this big soaked blanket that was a quilt that was on top of me. It just lifted right off. And I was in peace. Now, was I supernaturally strong and then turned around and swam again? No. Nope. I tried swimming and I was going backwards. And it was in a cove. So if you know a riptide, see, if you're in good, in a good enough shape, you could swim around a riptide and go in. But if you're in a cove, the riptide was so big, there was no swimming out of it. So, so I hollered at a guy who was with his son. And I said, hey, I go, guys, I'm in trouble. Now, I'm not a small guy. So they knew exactly what to do. So the dad came over. They stayed away from me because they know, you know, as big as I am, I could drown them. Right. If I if I'm freaked out. And so they're like, okay, you know, here here comes a wave. Let's go underneath the water, you know. And and so we go under. I come back up and then they would say, okay, grab, grab my son's, grab my son's arm or or stick your arm out. Let him grab you. And he would pull me in a little bit. And, And pretty soon, okay, we got we got about 50 more feet, 40 more feet. Got me in. Right. Jeanette was sleeping on the beach. I was thinking I'm not going to tell her, but I can't keep anything from her. You know, she's like, don't do that again or I'll kill you. I'm like, okay, yes, ma'am. Right. But, you know, I got in and uh, I saw the guy. I thanked the guy and his son. And uh, the next day I saw him at the beach again and I walked up to him. I'm like, dude, man, I grew up here. I should have known better than that. And he smiled at me. He goes, listen, he goes, I grew up in Laguna which we were in, we were in South Laguna area or right in, not in South Laguna, North Laguna. And, uh, and he goes, I grew up in this area too, right in Laguna beach. And he goes about a month ago, I almost died. He said, the difference between you and everybody else who was in the water is we all had fins. And I'm like, Oh, so anyway, fear, I don't know what a panic attacks like, but when fear grips you, you feel like you don't have any control, but as fast as it can grip you, that fast you could throw it off because it's a spirit and it has no power over you. Putting God's word first in your heart will cause you to value the words that you speak. It'll add weight. Pretty soon you won't be talking as much and you will be, here's what happens, you will start looking down on the inside of you to figure out what to talk about and not speak out of your mind. Very, very important. Realize this, that God surrenders to everything that he speaks. Didn't he say that? I exalt my word above all of my name. He surrenders everything God has spoken. When he said, Jesus himself bore your sickness and carried your pain, God surrenders to that. When he said, I will never leave you, I'll never fail you, I'll never forsake you, he surrenders himself to that. If you're ever in trouble, he's there. Nothing can separate. When he said, nothing can separate you from my love, he surrenders to that. Isn't that amazing? 
When he says, no, no pestilence will come near your dwelling, he, will, he, he literally submits himself to that. Well, but why, but why do we see pestilence coming near people's dwelling? Well, it's, it's not because of him. He, he's ready, but we must believe that. And we must speak that. How do you know if you believe something? You always say what you see. So you got to be careful what you're seeing. You got to be careful what you're watching on TV. You got to be careful what you're listening to because it affects us. God gives himself to his word, he submits himself to the authority of his own word. Wow. In other words, this should be ever in our mouth. Oh, Father, give me the grace to say what you say. Grace me today. I receive the abundance of grace that I might say what you say today. Not be moved by anything outward. This is why so much prayer is ineffective. Because we don't control our tongue in our personal lives. And then when we go to prayer, we're not controlling our tongue then. And we're praying out of emotion. This is why how many intercessory prayer groups have split churches wide open? How how many, you see the intercessors walk in and they're serious. I've got the weight of the United States on my shoulders. Are you kidding me? We're all... It's over if, if the weight of it's on you, right? I don't think when you walk out of the presence of God that you're like, Ooh, I'm just so burdened. No, when you walk out of the presence of God, you should be like, yeah, we're victorious. He's got this thing. I might not know exactly how to pray, but man, I know he heard me and whatever he knows. He's got this. It's all good. We don't have anything to worry about. Jesus didn't say, take my yoke upon you. Because man, my yoke is heavy. And my yoke, I mean, I'm telling you, it'll take you to a deeper place spiritually of sadness and seriousness. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. When you intercede, when you supplicate, when you pray, you walk out of there just going, Father, I thank you. That you have heard me, and I have. I know you heard me, so I know I have what you've asked me for. You are bigger than anything, right? We got a bunch of Christians right now freaking out, going, oh my gosh, what's happening in our country? I believe this is what's happening in our country. I believe that God is healing our land. That's what I believe. Right? Should we believe anything else? He said... If, if you will come, turn from your wicked ways, seek my face, I'll hear from heaven, I'll come and I'll heal your land. Okay, well, praise God. But it sure doesn't look like it. Yeah, and I'm not moved by what I see. Because if I'm ever moved by what I see, I'm going to get out of the will of God. Right? I got to tell you, every time I see an empty seat, all I think about is a changed life. I don't like them. But you know, when I'm here in this sanctuary ministering, I never, ever, 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 I've never had an empty seat go, oh, pastor, that was awesome. No, no, the Lord has never prompted me ever to minister to an empty seat. Not on church nights. Now, I'll come in here during the day, 
And I'll walk around and I'll call all of them full. I call this building finished, furnished, paid for, and most importantly, full. Right? But when I'm preaching and ministering, the Spirit of God, man, it's crazy how I just, I, I, I'm seeing everybody. So to me, every seat is full, every service. Because I'm only looking at the full ones. If I get in my flesh, I'll start looking at the empty ones. I know pastors that do that. And then what do they do? They beat up everybody who's sitting in the chair because of who's not there. How stupid is that, right? How stupid is that? I'll define how stupid that is. It's just like you and I speaking what we see and not what we see in the natural and not what we see here. We got to say what he says. It'll cause you to live a fun life and a long life. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 18. Gosh, I'm still doing. Ah, we got to go here though. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The power of the tongue. There's life and there's death in the power of the tongue. That word power again, it means in the direction that you point your tongue. And it means that your tongue will hand you life or it'll hand you death. How many of you want your tongue to hand you death? Can I see your hands? Yeah, nobody, right? Well, I'm here to tell you I've got good news. Your tongue never has to hand you death ever. And if your tongue doesn't hand you death, guess what? Satan can't hand you death. No principality and power against you can hand you death if you won't have it. Praise God. He's a non-issue in our life. We live our life submitted to him, to the Lord. We resist the devil, and then we laugh at him as he flees. Right? Whatever you have in your life right now, literally, see this correctly, it's a result of words that you've spoken in your past. And here's the thing. If you don't like what you see in your life right now, now, now for some of us, or probably for all of us, there's things that we see in our life right now and we're like, praise God. I have this, I have that. But the reason why I do, it's because of the words I've spoke. I've literally invited God in and he's done this. But there's, I'm sure in every area of our life, in every one of our lives, there's things, there might be one area of your life where you're going, yep, Man, this area of my life is a mess, but it's because of what I said. Right? So we got to watch our words. Psalms chapter 17, verse 4. It says this, Psalm 17, 4. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, or by the word of your lips... I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Our words can keep us, us out of the paths of the destroyer. So that's Satan. He's seeking, he's walking to and fro on the earth, seeking whom he may devour. Well, I, I want to stay out of his path. My words can keep me out of his path. Look at this one, Psalm 119, verse 11. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart 
that I might not sin against thee. You want to get every sin out of your life, hide the word of God in your heart. It is the key to being free from every addiction in life and to keep you out of every sin. The other option is you could try to be strong enough to overcome it. Rah, 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 knock yourself out. And when you get tired of that, put God's word first because that's what's going to work. What's going to get you free from an area of your life? Maybe tonight, maybe some secret thing that you have in your life that you don't want anybody to know about. What will get you free from that? The word of God, not you, not your own strength. What, what is going to bring about the manifestation of the healing power of God that will completely change your body? Is it you? No, it's his word. He sent his word and healed them, right? It's the, the word does the work. The, it's the word of God. Our job is to rest. So important. In the same chapter, Psalm 119, in verse 165, you want to ever keep from being offended? The word offend means to be entrapped, to be tripped up, and to cause the person to distrust who he should be or she should be trusting. Offense will separate you from everywhere God wants you to be. It'll separate you from your career that God wants for you. It'll separate you from the church you're to be planted in. It could separate you from the ministry that God has for you, from, from, every, from fulfilling the plan of God, everything if you get offended. Well, how do I keep from getting offended? It says here in Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy word. Now, I say word because we're New Testament believers. In the Old Testament, when you see law, you could, you could put word in there. Same thing. The law was given by God for Old Testament believers. But Jesus, <laughs> the law for us was nailed to his cross. It, was, it, it has written in it, paid in full. We're not under the law, we're under grace now, right? And it says, and nothing shall offend them. Wow. In Matthew 12, 37, again, we've read this before. Matthew 12, 37, it says, for by your words you shall be justified. That means you shall be pardoned and set free. And by your words you will be what? Condemned, sentenced, and put into bondage. If there's any bondage that you're walking in, realize you've already been made free. So the only reason why there's this bondage in your life in any way, it's, it's right here. It's your words. So if you want to be set free from the bondage, just change your words. Why? Because legally you've already been made free. Do you know how many Christians are literally sitting in a jail cell spiritually? Totally free. There is no lock on the door. Actually, to be honest with you, let's be biblical. There's not even any bars. There's not even any walls. All of it's just an illusion in our unrenewed mind. 
man, I just, you know, I just can't lose weight. I just can't do it. I mean, I've been eating Brussels sprouts for four years and I haven't lost a pound. I just can't lose weight. Change your words. Start talking about, I mean, literally, I love vegetables. I love salads. Your brain will be going, what are you talking about? Right? I love meat. I love mashed potatoes. I'm not, not with gravy, drowning in gravy, right? No, no, you, the Bible says, now I'm tilting you guys. The, the, stay with me. The Bible says if you can bridle your tongue, you can control your whole body. Wow. Yeah, but I'm 75 years old and I've got all these physical problems. No, 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 no. No, that's not the end of the story. Because you could have what you say. You walk around and go, you know what? I love working out. My body's building muscle. My body's burning fat. My joints are being restored. Cartilage is being rebuilt in my joints. My back and my spine, all the nerves in my body are being quickened. It's Romans 8, 11. My organs are all right now being quickened by the Holy Spirit with the same power that he rose Jesus. I wonder if that never departed from our mouth what we would be doing when we were 80, 85, 90, 95 years old. Because I got to tell us, guys, we're, we're the end time thing. Don't go home early. Right? You want to hear that trumpet from down here. I mean, it'll be fun for those guys coming back, but it's not going to be as fun as for us. Right? We need, when, when you get at a certain age, every time you drive through, drive by a nursing home or something, you should say, I'll never be in there. If you're in a nursing home, you should say, I'm getting out. I, I'm serious. Right? Well, you know, pastor, they're, they're, listen, I, this is what I do for a living. And, you know, I just don't make the kind of money. Okay. Be it unto you according to your word. But where is your job supposed to be your provider? Why don't we let the word be our provider? Why don't you walk around saying, oh, Father, I thank you that the blessing of Abraham is on my life. Everything that I touch, you bring to maturity. Right? You're increasing me. This year, you're going to increase me financially. And as you, as you pray, all of a sudden, desires start coming up. And yeah, you start speaking out of that. You know what? Yeah, I call that new income stream in. Whatever it is, it's never too late. All things are possible. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor. Listen, I really messed up. I was super, I was just out living for myself, and I destroyed a lot of things in my life. Well, I got, I got great news for you. The Word of God says, Behold, I make all things new. I am the God that brings life to dead things. I'm the God who calls those things which be not as though they were. And my word is forever settled in heaven. With long life will I satisfy him. And I will show him his whole life 
my salvation, what it means to be saved. That's what the word of God says. See, the world system, it's trying to program you to speak based on what you perceive with your senses. And your words will always locate where you are. But don't freak out if you're in the wrong place. Get excited. If all of a sudden you're like, man, no wonder why my life is ridiculous. Because my words have been ridiculous. And I'm just making, is it as simple as at 8.20 on a Wednesday night, I decide to just, you know what? That's it. I'm changing my words. Could it be that simple? Because when you say that, all of a sudden Jesus is like, whoa, oh. The Holy Spirit down on the inside of you, he, you know, he's so excited, he does a backflip and goes, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Jesus is like, angels, get ready. You, we're we're going to be able to clean some stuff up, make some dead things alive, bring, turn things right side up. I mean, all of heaven is behind that. To change your life, all you must do is simply change your words. The controlling factor in your life right now is your words. It is not a sickness or a disease in your body. Oh, it's not a weakness in your body. It's not a circumstance that you've been in for the last 10 years. That is not the controlling factor. Oh, church, hear me and believe these words. It's your words. You can walk your, or you could talk your way right out of death into life. What it was the last series, you can thank your way out of any problem into victory. That is God's word. I love that. So because of that, we come to the end of last week's sermon. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. In verse 23, Hebrews 10, 23, hold fast, seize hold of in the Greek, to the profession of your faith without wavering. God says this because why? He is faithful that promised. He said he'd make you the head and not the tail. He said you'd be above only and not beneath. He said, when you walk through the fire, it wouldn't even kindle upon you. He said he would make all things new. I love this. So I don't confess what I can do. Again, I confess what he has done. Why do I do this? So in the same way that God framed the world, the worlds with his mouth, in the same way, you can put the word of God that is your, have revelation knowledge of in your heart, you can put that in your mouth and frame your world to look like days of heaven on the earth. Guys, we are living very close to the end time. For those of you who have loved ones that are not serving God, don't play this game where you sit there and go, well, you know, they're, they're born again. I'm okay. They're going to be okay. No, 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 no. Get serious. Don't fear anything. The Bible says things like you and your, you and your seed will be saved. And start, start praying and speaking the word. Pray for open doors of utterance for you and for other people. Because in this, in this time, 
We don't know how much longer we have left, but we might not have a 10-year plan to see your kids come to Christ or your loved ones come to Christ. So this is a time of acceleration. So get your speech in order. And when you see them out doing whatever they're doing, don't be moved by that. You call those things which be not. My kids will walk out the plan of God for their life. They'll be saved, filled with the Spirit, right? They'll be people of the Word of God. They'll live their life for Christ. That's, I mean, if he said it's his will that everybody be saved, then man, I'm going to sit here and go, okay. If it's his will that everything I put my hand to come bro- be brought to maturity, Psalm 1-3, then I'm going to say everything I put my hand to will be brought to maturity. My leaf will never wither. At 59 years old, my leaf is not going to wither. When I'm 60, I'll be in better shape than when I'm 59. I'll be able to go stronger, greater anointing. When I'm 70, if the Lord tarries, it'll be greater, right? Now, I might not move as fast, but I'll guarantee I might not have the pain in my body that I had when I was at 59, right? And I might not be able to dunk a basketball on a 10-foot hoop, but don't get me close to an eight-foot hoop. I love the way they make, they never made them like that when I was a kid. Now you just get this little tool and crank it down, man. You could be, you know, whoever you want. I remember playing, playing basketball. First time I went to Monroe Park, I played basketball with this guy, Israel, who was his name. About 6'10", and they would, they would put, they would climb up and put a coin on the backboard, on top of the backboard, and he could take it off. I'm like, oh my gosh. I want to do that someday. Now, I might, have, I, mean, I might need my glorified body to do that, but you know what? Hey, life is not just here, right? But I, I bet on about a four-foot rim with a little bit of a back, I could probably take a coin off that just to start, right? Start where you are. Hold fast. Start framing your world with the words of your mouth because you're never going to see anything in your life that has not come out of your mouth. You want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover? You're never going to see it unless it comes out of your mouth. We're not going to see people get out of wheelchairs here if it's not in our mouth. Right? We're not going to see all the chairs filled unless it's in our mouth. We're not going to see lives change unless it stays in our mouth. So let's keep the word of God in our mouth. Things, everything, guys... For us as a Christian, our future is not in front of us, it's within us. Everything, is, it comes out of, your, out of your heart. Are you renting and want to own a home? Guess what? Your home, it's in your heart. You grow it. You plant the word of God in your heart, you keep that watered and it'll grow a house. It'll grow paid off cars. It'll grow a business. That sounds so foreign to people. And yes, it's New Testament truth. But we're going to preach this. In other words, guys, your destiny and your future is in your heart right now. Man, if you ever get quiet, you know, you know you're, you're here for a purpose. You're dripping with purpose. 
Hallelujah. So to change our life, we've got to change our words. So let me finish with a couple statements here. To change my future, I must renew my mind with the word of God. That will change my mouth, which will release the divine law of God out of my mouth and into my life, and that's what will change the direction of everything. So to change my future, I've got to renew my mind with the word of God, and that will change my mouth. It'll change what I say. And then when I'm speaking now, I'm now re- I'm literally releasing a divine law of God that will change the direction of my life. If everything in your life seems to be going a wrong way, you could change the whole thing to all going in the right way. This way. Biblical confession is no more than this. We agree with God by saying what he has said. But in order to do that, we have to humble ourselves to say what he says instead of speaking what we see or what we feel. Do you see that? The world system, it's designed to program you, but you could take the word of God. And, and let me say this, re- realize this, this thing that we're talking about, confession, this is not a word of faith camp thing. This is the lifestyle of every believer. This is how the, your mouth is your steering wheel. And all you got to do, you don't have to know God's direction for your life. You just speak the word of God and it's like that, you know how that, that te- the Teslas now, they're getting better at this automatic drive. You hop in a car, type in something, it'll just drive you there. Now, I got to tell you, I'm pro- I probably don't have enough faith in Tesla to do that, right? You know, you've probably seen some of those videos, right? But guess what? This is flawless. You let this direct your life, it'll direct you through every minefield of life, through the valley of the shadow of death. It'll, it'll cause you to, he'll, he'll cause you to be satisfied and rest by, by still waters. He'll restore your soul. He'll, and this will bring an anointing in your life so that your cup runs over. It'll always ensure that as you're walking, there's two, well, three if you want to really expand it. Three are always walking behind you, right? Man, as I walk through life, there's surely. Right? And then there's goodness and mercy. They follow me all the days of my life. I'm not so sure about surely, but goodness and mercy, we know, right? God loves you tonight. I hope this just builds you up and encourages you a little bit. Why do I keep preaching on this stuff? Because we got to get this. We are end time believers. We're going to see some crazy things in the world. And we're going to see some glorious things happening in the world. And we're ready for this. Amen.